Good morning, class. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. Thank God we can be. We don't have to just give up and quit no matter how dire the situation or circumstance may be. There is a way. Even when you can't see a way, the Lord is faithful and gracious to show us how to come out, how to overcome every problem in life. So get your Bible and get something to make a note with and come on in and join us in the class. Let's pray and release faith and believe we get exactly what uh, the Lord would give us today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you again for the privilege, the opportunity to come together like this and to come before you and to receive of you living words that feed us and nourish us. We ask for the anointing. We ask that you open our eyes and show us things we haven't seen and remind us of things you've shown us and how to put them all into practice in our lives. And we thank you for doing great things in Jesus name. Amen. Look with me, please, in uh, excuse me, uh, Hebrews, the tenth uh, chapter at uh, scripture we've been looking at for some time now, in a series we're calling "By Faith." Hebrews ten and thirty-five says, "Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward." Confidence is another word. For faith, in fact, in Young's literal translation in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, uh, faith is of things hoped for, a confidence. Confidence. But when you say confidence, uh, the confidence is in something, in someone and something. Our confidence is in God in, and in what he said and in what he has given to us and what he has put in us. Our confidence is in his plan for us, his preparation for us. And so he said, don't cast away your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. Verse 38 says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. First uh, Timothy talks about fighting the good fight of faith and laying hold. Uh, faith is not a passive thing. Faith is not, let's just wait and see what happens. Faith is not go back and hide and wait for somebody else to do it. Faith is you resist whatever's trying to hinder you and hold you back. You lay hold of what has been given you and refuse to let anything take it away from you. You uh, uh, progress, you uh, rise up, you step out, you lay hold with, and of course it takes confidence to do that. 
We see example after example in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, uh, and it goes, we've progressed as far as verse 32, if you'd look at that again with me, please. And he mentions these six individuals. He said, what, verse 32, what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and of the prophets. And he talks about all the great exploits that they did and things that happened and things they overcame and things they received by this wonderful thing called faith. We've been looking at Samson, and if you would go back there, please, to the 13th chapter of Judges, let's continue to look. Judges 13. Now again, why are we looking back here at Samson? Uh, We're not looking to see how strong he was. (laughs) That's not what Hebrews 11 is talking about. Why is he in Hebrews 11? Because of his faith, his faith. Now, you may not have thought of Samson as a great faith man, but he must have had faith, significant faith, or elsewise he would not be mentioned specifically in Hebrews 11.32. So how do we see his faith? How was it expressed and manifested? Going back to his birth in the 13th chapter in the first verse, It tells us that because the children of Israel had had done evil in the sight of the Lord, they had been uh, left in the hands of their enemies. They they forsook God and they forfeited their protection. And it had been like this for 40 years, uh, the Philistines, uh, nation and armies oppressing them. And uh, they obviously, we've seen this from previous chapters, how that when the people were in such a bad way, they cried out to God, they repented, they asked for his help. And the way he answered their prayer was he sent them a deliverer. He raised up to them a deliverer. And that's what's happening right here. And on this occasion, in this generation, he did it through Samson. And this goes all the way back uh, in chapter 13 here, before his conception. And the thing that we're told is that the angel appeared to his mother and uh, verse 3 told her, even though she was barren, had been barren, she was going to conceive and bear a son. And so he told her uh, that she was not to drink wine or any strong drink or eat anything that was unclean. And she was going to conceive, verse 5, and bear a son. And no razor would come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite under God from the womb, and he'll begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Later on, it said, um, uh, when she was relaying this to her husband, in verse 7, she told him that the angel said, Behold, you'll conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now, sometimes people uh, being familiar with the New Testament and hearing about Jesus, uh, the the Nazarene, have confused these. Uh, Samson being a Nazarite has nothing to do with being a Nazarene. 
uh, Jesus being a Nazarene because he was from Nazareth, from the town and place of Nazareth. This is, has nothing to do with that. Being a Nazarite had to do, and, and you know, if you look up the different the word, the original word, it's uh, pronounced a little different from that, but uh, Nazir, or, it has to do with being separated for God's use. And you can see that in this language, a Nazarite unto God. Uh, from his womb, in this case, to his death. Now, it was not uncommon for people to take a, a vow of a Nazarite for 30 days, 90 days, uh, maybe longer, you know, 100 days. And what, what that meant is uh, it's like a time of prayer and fasting where they would fast eating certain things and, and drinking certain things and, and they wouldn't cut their hair and, and they are focused on something for God for this period of time month or two or three, whatever, and then they'd go back to their normal uh, eating and drinking and cutting their hair and that kind of thing. But uh, on some rare occasions, you see individuals who were Nazarites their whole life. And uh, Samson was one of them, uh, not his choice. This was declared before he was even born. It was something that the Lord said was to happen. Um, John the Baptist uh, apparently lived this kind of life. Uh, the scripture says he didn't come eating and drinking, <laughs> talking about normal things. He, he lived in bare circumstances. He, he wore rough clothing. He ate, you know, uh, grasshoppers and, and that kind of thing. And uh, locusts said, said the same kind of thing. Um, that has to do with, with be living a, a separated life. Now, the Lord required this of his mother and of him. And, of course, that, that went through the camp. And that was something that this boy was born hearing about and knowing about. And, of course, you know, when he, uh, it, his parents were so adamant that you can't eat these kind of things and uh, you can't drink these kind of things. And when other kids are getting haircuts, you can't get a haircut. <laughs> Why? Why? Because you're special. Your, your birth is miraculous. You know, mom couldn't even conceive. It's a miracle that you were even conceived. And um, uh, God has, they, they even knew the plan for his life, he is to deliver <laughs> Israel from their enemies. Now, the reason I take time to talk about this is because Samson's separation is one of the big themes of his story that's mentioned in Judges. It's uh, about three chapters through here, uh, 13, uh, 14, 15 or so uh, are devoted to his life and what happened with him. Quite a bit of scripture, actually. And yet, the, the central theme is this. And actually, his downfall, most people that have heard about Samson, they already, you already know the end of the story. Uh, his downfall was the result of the compromise of his separation. 
Can you see why I'm, I keep talking about it? That's, that was his downfall, was the compromise of his separation to God. Uh, is there separation to God today? Should we, like the scripture says, come out from among the ungodly and not touch the unclean thing? I'm quoting scripture in, in, in the New Testament. Should we not defile ourselves with the, uh, uh, you know, bad things and evil things that are in this world and in this life? Now, it's the blood of the Lamb that washes and cleanses us. We, we can't cleanse ourselves through our righteous deeds. And yet, the scripture talks about if you would be a vessel for the Lord's use, then you separate yourself from the things that defile. And depending on how much God would be able to use you, uh, that's how much we give ourselves to Him. That's how much we make our life available to Him. Well, if our life is consumed in ungodliness, then it's certainly not available to Him for godly things. Can you see the, the difference? What, what are you available to Him for? Sadly, there are millions of Christians. They're only available to go to church once every quarter or maybe twice a year, you know, so-called Easter and Christmas. But other than that, they're pretty much not available to him. They got their plans, they got their life, they got their careers, they got their things. And, and because of that, uh, they often are, often are involved with ungodly people and contaminating, defiling things. But if, uh, you know, the Lord needs people to use in this world to accomplish things and do His will, and thank God there are some who will give of themselves more to Him. There are some who will say, Lord, I, I'm pulling away from this. I dedicate my time to you. I, I give you more of my resources. I give you more. I'm available to you, not just on Sunday for a few minutes. I'm available to you on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> I'm available to you in the middle of the night. And so uh, Samson uh, was to be separated to God, a Nazarite to God, from the womb, from the time he was born, to the day of his death. And that was signified by his hair that was never cut. It was signified by his um, uh, not eating unclean things and not drinking and getting drunk and those kind of things. It was signified by that. Now, where do we see his faith then? We know that's significant, but still, does, how does that show his faith? Well, for one thing, it shows his parents' faith that they obeyed what the angel said. Can you see that? And, and throughout the child's life and his upbringing, they adhered to that. No unclean things, no alcohol, no haircuts. And so that brought him all the way to adulthood. And he's still living that way. You know, the Bible said, uh, uh, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. So here he is now, a grown man, and he still hadn't cut his hair. <laughs> He's still observing these things. But we see that in verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 24, 
The woman bare a son, called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshdel. Everybody say, the Spirit of the Lord Lord. began to move him. Begin to move him. Or we could say, move on him. The Spirit of God began to move on him and move him at times. And this is as a young man, maybe as a boy, uh, maybe as a teenager. This is the earliest, I guess this is the first reference we hear of this happening in Samson's life. And it's not in a time of battle. It's not in a time of conflict. It was just... I don't know what he was doing, but uh, he's on the road, he's out in the yard, he's out in the field, something, and all at once the Spirit of God comes on him. Spirit of God comes on him. And uh, what, what does he do with that? I, he, he's experiencing it. We, we get some insight into how God does things. Um, when he had to face off a thousand Philistines, Uh, was not the first time he experienced the anointing. God had already introduced him to the anointing and he had had some experience with it. You remember he had that encounter with a lion and then later on he had encounter with uh, soldiers. And it reminds you of what happened with David. You know, when David met Goliath, was that the first time he had been in a... (laughs) A serious situation like this. No, the thing that gave him confidence is he said, uh, he told Saul, he said, uh, uh, I've been out keeping the sheep and, and a lion came to take one of the sheep and I rose up and smote him. A bear came. I, I, I rose up and faced him off. Uh, I overcame. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. And I'll, I'll take this, this Philistine out, this Goliath. I'll take him out too. Can you see, that's how God trains us. Uh, Smaller things. (laughs) Not that a line is a small thing. But uh, I I reckon there were other smaller things maybe prior to that. We just didn't hear about them. But that's how God does all of us. He, uh, even in your childhood, he'll expose you to something and he wants you to get acquainted with it. He wants you to learn how to yield to it. He wants you to learn how to respond to it. And if you do, it'll get stronger It'll get greater. The situations will get bigger throughout your life. So when we ask the question, Samson had great faith. Samson's faith is mentioned in Hebrews 11. For what? I can see this. Samson had faith in the power of God. (laughs) He had faith in the anointing. He had faith in in that anointing to come on him for strength. And you can see that as time went on, I mean, it was not unusual at all for him to go to do things that nobody should try to do, and yet he expected, everybody hear that word? He expected that anointing to come on him. He expected that power to come on him. Why? It had been coming on him since he was a boy. And he had been yielding to it. Oh, this is exciting. 
people of God. It's, this is exciting. Why? Because the power of God's still around today. The anointing's still around today. The Spirit of God still comes on people today. And you and I need to learn how to yield to Him when He prompts us, when He moves us. And it won't all be in the same area. Not everybody, in fact, you know, we hadn't heard of a situation since then where exactly what happened with Samson happens. And we don't necessarily need strength to go ripping things out of the ground. It's not about drawing attention to ourselves, but you do need God's power beyond yourself to do what you're supposed to do in life and in ministry. Um, notice with me, hold your place here, and go over to the book of um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. 1 Corinthians 2 and 4 says, Paul said by the Spirit, he said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now when that anointing came on Samson, was that a demonstration of the Spirit? Was that power? Certainly it was. It was something beyond Samson. And verse 5 says, says, goes with that fourth verse. It says, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but, in other words, but your faith should stand in the power of God. That you would have faith, not just, Paul's saying, not just faith in what I know and faith in what I've understood, but faith in the power of God. Very important that we have faith in the power of God. Not just faith in doctrine, faith in the power. Faith in the power of God. Say it out loud, class, I have faith. In the power of God. I believe in the power of God. Now this is where we see Samson's faith. It's wonderful. <laughs> and what a lesson we can learn from it. Samson, when he got in situations, he expected that power to come on him. He expected that anointing to come on him. Should we expect the power of God to come on us? Should we expect the anointing? And this is not just for a few special individuals now. Do you remember Acts said, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be witnesses to me. Is that for every believer? Every child, should every believer be a witness? Well, just you sharing <laughs> in a monotone fashion your ascribed belief is not enough to move other people that hear you to believe. You need power on you, power in your witness, power in your testimony. And as, as, as occasion serves, and it's good and right, for you to begin to tell somebody what the Lord has done for you, how He saved you, how He healed you, how He filled you, when you do that, you shouldn't just do it expecting a dry, bland, mental communication. Hmm? 
I'm not saying you expect thunder and lightning, but you expect something beyond you. Anointing, power to deal with them, to move on them, cause them to see the, the truth of the gospel, the reality and goodness of God. And that, this is not reaching for something. He said, you shall receive power, right? Power. Somebody say power, power. And, and we are to have faith in that power, faith in that power. You know, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. We're going to see this in scriptures at some point. But uh, that's what I'm doing right now as a preacher. I mean, I've got some notes, but obviously I'm not reading everything word for word. So what do you say? I'm expecting the anointing to give me utterance. I'm expecting the anointing to come on you and enlighten you. Amen. And everybody that's joining us uh, over the internet and over the broadcast, I'm expecting the power, the anointing to teach, to reveal, to quicken, even to heal and to deliver. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more I expect that, that's the stronger my faith in the anointing. Now, you know, some people uh, might have faith to believe if they're lifting weights, they can put on a couple of extra plates and God would help them to move that weight. Samson was on another level. <laughs> he believed <laughs> that when the power of God came on you, there wasn't anything you couldn't do. There were no limitations uh, based on your physical body. Now, uh, a lot of people just don't even believe that. You, you got all kind of folks, they'll read that and scoff and go, oh, that's just, that's mythology. That's, it is not. It is not mythology. It is not fantasy. It's reality. If you don't believe in it, then you are an unbeliever. You don't believe in God. You know, the first few verses of the, of the Bible, if you believe that, you won't have trouble with the rest of it. <laughs> what do you mean? In the beginning... <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. If you believe that, then you don't struggle with him quickening a man so that he could do some feat of strength. Right? If you believe that, then you, you don't struggle with believing that he could heal somebody or deliver somebody, that miracles, what we call miracles, are real and they happen. Said out loud, faith in the power of God. Come on, say, say it again. I have faith in the power of God on me. In my life, I have faith in the power of God. Praise God. Praise God. And our time is up again. So let's say it out loud like we do. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. Well, enjoyed it again today. And come be sure and join us again tomorrow for Faith School. You can see we haven't gotten to the end of this. We're just getting started. And our faith in the power of God is coming up to a whole nother level. Can you say amen? amen. We'll see you next time. 
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.